produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Welcome to Kind World. I'm Yasmin Ammer. And I'm Andrea Aswahe. For the past few weeks, we've been asking you, our listeners, to call in and leave us voicemails with your stories of kindness during the pandemic. And today, we wanted to share a couple of our favorites to start the show. Our first voicemail comes to us from 11-year-old Juniper McGrath. She's in Dobbs Ferry, New York. The first few days of quarantine, I tried to savor every bit of it because it was just so different, and I really wanted to remember it. But after the first few weeks, I realized it was serious. And if I didn't help someone or everyone, I would be living a lot of this year like this and staying at home and not really doing anything. So my friend tried to start a musical, and the money would go to help coronavirus. This really didn't work out, but it inspired me, and I sent out an email to my friends telling them to share their talents at an online meeting to help, quote-unquote, turn the tide with talent. It took a long time for my family and I to come out with that name, but it was really fun. Anyway, so we, we, my mom helped me write this really official-looking email, and I sent it out to my friends. A lot of my friends have responded, and I'm really excited because it costs $5 to participate and $7 to spectate. And in the end, it all goes to coronavirus to help feed families in my town who aren't getting money due to their jobs closing and to help hospitals. So I'm really excited because not only am I going to help in a way that's actually fun, but I get to be together with my friends in a time of separation. I also think it's really interesting that being physically apart has actually helped a lot of people find ways to feel closer to each other than they did before the outbreak. That's what happened to Angela Francis over in London. She shared her story with Modern Love, the podcast. That's another podcast from WBUR in partnership with The New York Times. I joined my partner in London about a year and a half ago, and after several international moves, I was really looking forward to making our new neighborhood feel like home. In practice, I found our new community to be cautiously friendly, where no one is rude, but everyone mostly keeps to themselves. Don't get me wrong, we still love it, but we had come to terms with the fact that we didn't manage to break the ice. That is until coronavirus came and everything's changed. We opened our front door one day to find a small flyer that said, Hello, if you are self-isolating, I can help, with the hashtag viral kindness. An unknown group of residents in the neighborhood had organically organized adopting this viral flyer and were systematically reaching out to the community to make sure everyone was supported, from medication pickups, essential grocery deliveries, to just offering a supportive phone call. We're now an active part of this movement that's comprised of almost 200 other passionate and caring people in our community. We haven't met in person and we're not physically together, but we're somehow closer than ever before. Life here might not seem as outwardly warm as I had originally imagined, but from the tragedy of this pandemic, we have found a thriving and loving community. With our family and friends spread across the globe, it's comforting to know that we have found love and togetherness in a socially distanced world.
Our thanks to both Juniper McGrath and Angela Francis for sharing their stories of kindness. And we want to hear yours too. Call 617-353-6350 and leave us a voicemail. That's 617-353-6350. We'll be back with more Kind World after the break. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Kind World. I'm Andrea Aswahi. And I'm Yasmin Amr. So on our show, we usually tell stories of compassion that don't exactly make the front page of a newspaper. They're small, quiet, and personal. But today's story showcases how powerful kindness can be under the most extreme and frightening moments, a moment that made headlines across the country. In anticipation of the new school year, Mary Linda Moss and her teenage daughter were excited to go clothes shopping in July of 2018. After visiting a few shops, Mary Linda, who has type 1 diabetes, realized her blood sugar was low. So they made a quick stop at a nearby Trader Joe's in Silver Lake, a neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. And I went and grabbed a couple things, and then I was at the checkout counter and heard this crazy screech of tires and slam of metal against metal. It was clear that it was a serious accident. And then the next thing I heard was shots, gunshots. Mary Linda quickly threw herself on the ground as people screamed and ran around her in a panic. Nobody knew what was happening. There was a woman lying next to me who um, just looked terrified. I, there was a guy lying in front of me who was on the phone. And I'm looking at the guy who's in the aisle. And all of a sudden, his back starts getting saturated with blood. And that's when I looked up and I saw the assailant. Mary Linda says this part of the story gets a little hazy. But the next thing she remembers is standing up and looking for something she could use to wrap the assailant's wound. She decided to use her own overshirt. I approached him with this um, kind of dress shirt to wrap his wound. And the gun was in his right hand. And as I approached him to help him with this, um, it was pointing at me. And so I said to him, that's making me uncomfortable can you point it away? And he, I think, said sorry and pointed it away. So after I wrapped the wound, I sat down and I put my back up against the counter. And my intention was, I'm done. And, you know, he can now figure out what he needs to do. But then the assailant addressed her directly. And he looked at me and he said, come over and massage my hand. And um, I understood it was because of the wound and the pain that he was in. 
So I reluctantly went over, but once I was there, it was like I was physically attached to him. And that's kind of what set up the rest of the day. Can I ask, Mary Linda, how were you feeling? You know, what was going through your head? You know, I was scared, and yet I had a job to do. That job was to try and somehow stop the assailant who had stormed into the grocery store, exchanged shots with police, and taken the shoppers hostage. Despite the enormous fear and vulnerability she felt, Mary Linda says she was able to stay focused. Having an active purpose allowed me to be a little bit more grounded. And I have such a clear memory of being aware that I was more present than I probably ever had been in my life. That I felt like my, you know, my feet were going to the center of the earth. No one knew what had happened earlier that day. Police say the man had shot his grandmother, that he had taken her car to escape the police, that he had grabbed his girlfriend and taken her with him, and that the crash outside the store caused her to end up in the hospital. Mary Linda heard the man call someone to ask if his grandmother was all right. But instead of calming the assailant, the call escalated the already tense situation. So at one point, I put my hand on his back on the, in between his shoulders and just rested it there. After he called his grandmother, I put my hand on his heart and I said to him, I know you have a good heart and I know you don't want to hurt anybody. But Mary Linda found out that there were already injuries in the store, including a young woman, a Trader Joe's manager, who had been shot. Soon after, negotiations between the police and the assailant began. Fearful for everybody's safety, Mary Linda felt compelled to help in any way she could, even stepping in when the man would start arguing with the police. I would say, let's hold on a minute. Let's slow down. Hold on a minute. We're going to call you back. Just because I felt like I was able to see if I could keep things calmer. But trying to keep the assailant calm became even more challenging, when they noticed sharpshooters aiming straight toward them. And I stood up to yell at him to get off the roof because everything got scary once he saw that there was somebody aiming a gun in. And the next thought in my head was, I don't want them shooting in here. I know he's not trying to hurt anybody. Throughout the nearly four hours of nerve-wracking negotiations, the assailant agreed to release a few hostages at a time. By the end of the crisis... Only Mary Linda and three other hostages remained. During that time, he shared with me, I wish I had known you before. I just needed somebody to talk to. I told my family I was going to lose it, and I just needed somebody to talk to. At that point, he was pretty resigned. He said, I shot at a cop. I know I'm in for life. He said, there's no hope for me. And I said, there's always hope. In the end, it was Mary Linda who put the handcuffs on the assailant. 
Then, the group walked out of the store together. As Mary Linda stood in the afternoon sun, she was flooded with emotion, exhaustion, relief, but also deep sadness, especially when she learned that the young woman she found, Melly Corrado, had died. The next morning, I woke up and sat bolt upright in bed, and I thought, oh my God, if I had just asked if there was anybody hurt, maybe we could have gotten to Melly earlier. It's that sense of what we're able to do, and there's what we were not able to do. Mary Linda's goal that awful day was to keep everybody, including herself, alive. But she says the only way she knew to accomplish that was through genuine kindness and compassion. The only way we can find a way through is to be open to one another and to what might be possible when we are truly present with one another. That seeing another human being for who they truly are with the good, the bad, and the ugly is where that kindness comes from, I think. Thanks for listening to Kind World this week. Follow us on Instagram for more stories and a behind-the-scenes look at how we're producing our show. We're at WBUR Kind World. Kind World is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikas and Matt Reed do our sound design. Sophie Eisenberg is our WBUR fellow and helped us produce this episode. Catherine Brewer is our managing producer and editor. And Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer Yasmin Amr. And I'm reporter and producer Andrea Aswahi. We'll be back with a full episode of Kind World next Tuesday. But on Friday, we'll have another listener voicemail drop in your feed. So you can start your weekend off with our bonus moment of kindness. If you've got a story for us, call 617-353-6350 and leave us a voicemail. Thanks for listening. See you next week.